blindly marketing to your guests and guessing what they want and when they want it is insane. In the age of the internet, consistent, targeted, and personalized communication with your customers is what they expect. By leveraging your customer data, you can drive sales, save time, save money, and build stronger relationships with your guests. Today on the Restaurant Growth Show podcast, we're talking about why owning your customer data is key to growth. This is episode seven. Let's go. Hey, it's Gordon, and this is the Restaurant Growth Show podcast, where we talk about how operators can use technology to grow their business. We've got a lot to talk about in this episode, but first, let's introduce our guest. First, we have Jose Albus, co-founder and chief growth officer at Modern. With more than 25 years of online marketing experience, Jose has successfully founded, operated companies in software and hospitality. Next, who am I? Well, my name is Gordon. I am your host. I run a coaching program called 90 Days to Success, where I teach restaurateurs how to sell their food online through the use of digital marketing. Jose, you're my only guest today. This is a good thing. It's Friday. How are you doing, my friend? I am doing great and excited to share about data. Yeah, looking forward to it. Let's get on it. Every business owner, every manager should be in love with data and should get to know it and familiarize themselves with it and do the best they can to understand it. Let's start with a real high level, Jose. What type of data is collected? Because data can mean anything, right? What type of data is collected that is useful for operators? Well, in essence, we have to, we've known or we know, and, and especially in hospitality, um, we understand what data is around the, that you collect an email, a phone number, um, you know, that type of data, the personal data. But then there's also the most important one, which is uh, anything that takes you to understand the behavior. And the reason is that in the commitment of hospitality and restaurants to actually offer service, a great experience, customer data is customer experience because you can always find trends and, and patterns, uh, behavioral patterns that you can um, use to understand your, 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 your customers so that you can serve them better um, and that way also grow the business. Can you give me some type of example of what is what what's that like? Okay, so one that is very um, simple and and well known because we've all experienced in 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 general in sales is the um, like this like that right. So when someone buys or has a, a frequency of buying certain things, they tend to uh, also buy other things. If I like a chicken, it's my preference. Then, you know, if you introduce a new chicken, um, the chances are that I may, as much as I always order the same, I'm going to give that new chicken a chance. Um, or if it's just something temporary, I'm like, oh, you know what, this time I'm going to try this chicken. So that even at the basic understanding, like as, as a purchase behavior. Um, another one is that uh, the frequency. 
if you start seeing that the person comes on a weekly basis, but maybe you're one of one of the restaurants that uh, that it's their favorite and that they already have they've downloaded your app. They they are scheduled with a friend to go there on a weekly basis. So having that understanding gives you an opportunity to maybe the next time um, if um, if if they order or if they uh, come for a visit, it's similar experience. Like they are frequenting your your app, they're frequenting uh, frequenting your restaurant. Um, do something to give them an an, an extra experience. Maybe and, and this has happened to me um, that. I've gotten a surprise dessert just because. And when I wonder like, hey, there were, it, this was this is my order. Yes, it was a gift. Thank you, Jose, for being a, a customer. That has actually happened. So Jose, maybe you can give us an example of the type of data that a restaurateur could use to drive sales. Sure thing. So um, there's a very simple example that anybody can do. Um, when you've collected a little bit of, inf of of data of online behavior, you can see, you can pull a lot of information, but one simple is you can look at your frequent customers, those that come on a monthly basis, weekly basis, um, and then compare that to those that have come once, maybe twice in a year, and see what patterns and what trends you see in it. Most likely, it's going to be that uh, things, you could find things like, the ones that are frequent uh, visitors, those are usually buying probably the ones, your, your top selling items. And the ones that not are usually buying something else. So that's a great opportunity to, with an incentive, move these people to actually try some of those top selling items because maybe they just ordered the wrong thing. So what, um, so what you're saying, Jose, here is that this is really basic data, like customers who've come once to my restaurant and customers who frequent my restaurant on a regular right. basis, a couple times a week, a, a few times a month. And just basically looking at both of those lists and seeing what commonalities are there and seeing what discrepancies are between the two lists. Is that, is that what we're saying? Yeah, exactly. Just look at the differences and look at what they what they purchase, the amount, or or and and you can start hypothesizing. Hmm, probably these people are ordering something that it's not our best, and while the other ones they know what they're ordering and they order so so they like it so much they order it frequently, and most likely, a lot of the people that are not coming very frequently, if they order those amazing things that everybody loves they are most likely to become also loyal repeating customers on a frequent basis. So would you, would you say that recurring customers, the items that they are buying on a regular basis, would you call that a trend? Think about it more like a, like a common denominator rather than necessarily a, a trend per se. It's a characteristic of that population that you have in the data set. So you see that what the characteristics of that data, okay? is that they, um, you look for, for what is it, the common thing? Why are these people coming so often? Or what are the dishes that these people that come often are, are eating? And then compare it to the ones and the other ones, right? So the, the pattern of, um, of frequency could be that uh, maybe those people that are ordering the, the steak tacos are coming weekly. Maybe the others are coming lesser. And that would be a trend that the more most frequent orders or the ones that order a particular type of dish 
come more frequently. Then okay, I think I understand. And so then when you look at your non-returning customers, customers who have only visited once and they've never come back, what can we do with that list to entice them to be more like the returning customer? Correct. So look at what the differences are. Look at it may be, uh, for example, a trend could be uh, you start looking at sales are going down, for example. So sales are trending down. And you take a look at what, what may be happening, and then you realize that it's because you took out um, a, either an ingredient or a particular item or, um, or, or something to that effect that, uh, that or, or even the chef. And then you, you could actually determine, you see, this started to happen at, around this date. Maybe they're putting too much salt. Maybe they're not being careful. Something, anything that can be a trend, you can then deduct what may have happened. So as you can see, this one has beha more behavior within it, while the other one, it's more like a characteristic. The population that, that orders the most, it's the one that orders these two, three dishes. So why? what's happening with the other ones? They have not ordered those three dishes. So how do you enchant them? make a way, give them the that, that leads me to my items. next question is, so we've identified the characteristics of the returning customers, and we see that those characteristics are not within the non-returning customers. What do we do? What do we do with that information? Well, we, we compare it, right? And then you can see the patterns of that, that it, the pattern of behavior is that they didn't come back or they're just not coming back enough. And the reason, the, the part of it is that because they're ordering the wrong thing or because they're not ordering these three things that people love to enjoy frequently. Or maybe so, they haven't had the opportunity or they haven't seen those, those items that the regular customers are buying on a regular basis. Correct. They haven't tried those before. Correct, correct. And now, Another thing to, to look out for, for example, and, and this is what the power of data is, what could, what could be wrong in this assumption, this hypothesis, and, and that may be hidden behind the fact that all these people have not ordered, um, are not coming more than once or twice a year? I don't know. What you tell me? Well, what if you were to look at the data and then you realize that most of the phone numbers, because this in, in mobile, it's, it's very easy. In, to, to collect that information are from um, area codes that are not local or not even close to the area. So maybe actually a big sample of them are from a different area. So there would be no point in necessarily retargeting them with, with a campaign? It never hurts because if you put a coupon that it's a one-time use and then they, they, uh, they, they come, happen to come again, um, they may have an experience that blows their mind to the point that they leave a positive review. So what you could do with that data, you've noticed the different area codes that have visited your restaurant, haven't come back, obviously because it's, they're from out of town, but maybe it's just the next town over. You could create a targeted campaign to out-of-towners saying, hey, the next time you're in town, don't forget to stop by Jose's Taco Bar. Mm -hmm. and get 15% off XYZ. 
Correct. Something along those lines. But as a marketer, to be honest with you, I, I don't want to spend a heck of a lot of time marketing to someone who's from out of town because we are concerned with our local community and people who are able to either get delivery or foot traffic, someone who's close by, right? Within a 10 kilometer radius, I would say, ideally, those are the people that we want to target. So we can take that data, eliminate those out of towners, create yes. a campaign for them if we so choose, but we want to prioritize the non-returning customers that we know have visited once, but haven't come back. Correct. How do we go about doing that? What would you do? No, I think that, I think that you, you, you just mention something quite important you can also just simply also clean the data even further to have a more sound understanding of what may have happened if you take out the the out of area area codes um or proximity at all then you could have a a, a clean understanding of the locals that they're here it should be easy if you if they loved it to actually have them return become very loyal and and frequent uh, visitors to your restaurant online or offline. Let's say we've got a list. We want to clean that up from all of the non-relevant customers. So right away, we notice the out-of-town customers, the, the ones with an area code that are that is on the next town over or even farther away. They're just visiting. The likelihood of them coming back soon is slim. So once we've taken those customers out of our list, we're left with some local customers who have only visited once. How do we go about targeting them? Well, you want to look at what they've purchased and see if you find a particular trend that most of these people may have not ordered what the regulars order. So to move them non-frequent to frequent, they, uh, they're most likely, uh, they're missing out on those top three uh, favorites, all-time favorites that your restaurant offers. And so if you're you saying the, the characteristics of that list, to mm -hmm. use your terminology, the characteristics of that list is not necessarily going to be like the characteristics of the returning customers which means that they are less likely to have purchased the most popular items on Jose's tacos menu. Is that correct? correct? So, so and I love that you're asking, rephrasing it because um, you want to start with a hypothesis. Okay. And then the idea is that you prove wrong the hypothesis until you cannot, because it means then that it's true. So when you have the concept like, oh, these people, like you don't want to assume and, and, and these assumptions, these hypotheses, like you, you, you want to challenge them. So when you look at the data and you say, oh, that's because they didn't order any of that, right? But you could look at another, another piece of, of information there. What time of the year did they order it or, or any other piece? So you need to challenge every time what you're thinking and you do it by looking at the information that you have at the data that you've collected it okay, will show so another thing to consider obviously is the time frame so let's say well, we're looking at the past three months mm -hmm. of jose's taco bar and we've eliminated the out-of-towners mm -hmm. we're, we're gonna get them with another a targeted out-of-town marketing campaign we've got our list we know that the people on this list who have not returned They've just visited Jose's Taco Bar once. They are not purchasing or haven't purchased 
the most popular items. How do you go about targeting that list? Well, you take the data that you have, emails, phone numbers, and then you send them an email inviting them uh, to collect a digital coupon that you've tailored specifically for them. It's very powerful if you have a system that allows you to personalize it to them, that it's only available to that email address and it can only be collected when you register and or you log in with that email address. It goes out so powerfully personalized that you have, you can remind them, you can call their name. Hey, Gord, you haven't been here for a while or even you can even point because that data is also there. Um, what, and this is the data that I was talking that is a secondary that shows behavior. You haven't been here for a couple of months. I have a coupon for you to try this and that, the, the carnitas tacos. And then you send them that email with their name. You could even, because you have the data, insert what they've ordered before and tell them, hey, Gord, you definitely need to try the carnitas tacos because they are the best. The feedback from our customers is amazing. Here is a coupon for you to give them a shot. We're looking forward to serving you again. Take advantage of this coupon. You put a date, a deadline or not. But the most important thing is because it's the power of data. You can give a personalized service to the point that you can repeat them, remind them that you know their name and that it is as if they were in real life. That brings me to another point that I wanted to ask. That is quite personalized and there's a, a lot of personal information in there. Hey, Gord, you know my name. Okay. You also have my email. All right. I went there once and okay, I did. I do remember giving you my email address. Then you also mentioned what it is that I ordered. What, what if I'm concerned with privacy? That's a great question. So when it comes to privacy, um, you have to be transparent. I think that right now technology and, and law, uh, when it comes to, we have castle compliant, PIPA, like there is so many laws and so many ways of making sure that it's transparent that everybody should follow them because they're there for a reason. And what the is, reason- Sorry to cut you off there. What is castle compliance? Uh, castle is the Canadian anti-spam law. It um, enforces um, businesses to display their phone number, who they are, um, address of headquarters, why are you emailing them, and most importantly, e making it easy to unsubscribe and that you have somewhere um, gathered the consent of that consumer in what it's called the express consent. So I just quickly Googled it and you're absolutely correct. Canada's anti-spam legislation, CASEL, protects consumers and businesses from the misuse of digital technology, including spam and other electronic threats. It also aims to help businesses stay competitive in a global digital marketplace. So being, being CASEL compliant is, in a nutshell for all of the marketers out there, in a nutshell means asking for permission to email you, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, not only email, but also SMS and so SMS. Okay, so it, it's that the, that the the it's the responsibility of the business to be transparent about the communications that they're gonna have because we all consider that invasiveness as something very very important and it concerns us because we know we've heard so many stories and they've happened about uh, credit card and 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 you name it, there's scams of all sorts. 
So these these uh, legislation supports the, that transparency, and, and, and in return, it it's supposed to support the trust of the consumer by those companies that actually uh, follow it. Is modern Castle compliant? Yes, it is, and it is for our merchants all across, all the way to PCI, Castle, and all the other ones. All right. Well, that's really good news. What are the disadvantages of using third-party companies to collect customer data? <laughs> well, the first one is, and, and it's it's a perfect segue, now that we've mentioned privacy protection and everything like that, are they even compliant? Number one. Two, it's not yours. It's theirs. It's that third party owning that data. You don't know what they may do with that data. And you are you are helping them to generate that data guess what let's put it this way so you're a restaurant too you're in a third party marketplace you are the product that is generating all this traffic all this data and they have the right to sell that data so guess who's working for whom and on top of that you're paying high commissions if i was a restaurant too, i'd go back and be like hey wait a minute you know what everything that happens through our work we have a right to that data or you at least have to pay me back or drop those rates down. Like it is such an unfair game. And there's a many benefits of the third party marketplaces. We are partnered with a lot of them, but the reality is that in general, any third party that is carrying that data has some responsibilities. Well said. This has been a really interesting and fluid conversation. There will definitely be a part two about why owning your customer data is so valuable to you as a restaurateur and to growing your business. I hope you learned something new about why owning your customer data is vital to growing your business. I wanna thank Jose for your insight as always and to all of you who tuned in. Until next week, my name is Gordon and this is the Restaurant Growth Show podcast. I'm out.